Episode 55, Bonus Edition, Interview with Mandy Taylor. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're learning a lesson or teaching one yourself, this podcast is for you. I am here to empower you to reach your potential. And I refer to you as elite because the only characteristic I could use to describe someone who would put this much time and investment into becoming better is elite. And so thank you for tuning into a podcast to help better your craft. I want to start by thanking you all for tuning in each week, especially those of you who are stopping by iTunes and leaving ratings and reviews. This week's shout out goes to Beach PB who entitled their review, A Must Listen for Educators. They said, This podcast is a must listen for educators, whether you are new or have been doing it for years. This show will inspire you. Keep up the awesome episodes. Thank you very much, Beach PB, for stopping by and leaving a rating and a review, letting me know that you are finding value and that you think the episodes are awesome. That definitely put a smile on my face. Well, I don't want to spend any more time talking about anything else today. I want to jump right to it because today is a special edition. We have a bonus episode, an interview with a dear friend of mine, Mandy Taylor. Today, I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by hearing a powerful message from this elite educator. So before I dive into the interview, really the just the chat we had together, I do want to share a little bit with you about why I chose Mandy to be on the show. So if you haven't heard of her, her blog is Taylor Made Teaching. So head on over there and you can see all that she's been up to. But her name is Mandy Taylor, and she has a degree in education. She has spent 17 years in the classroom teaching anywhere from kindergarten to third grade, but recently she's transitioned out of the classroom and into an instructional coaching position. She has quite a passion for literacy and a love for learning and has a newfound fascination with public speaking. She also has become a teacher consultant with the Central Texas Writing Project, where she also serves on the leadership board. If I had to sum up her belief statement, it would be relating to relationships, authenticity, love, and humor. She is very collaborative and wants to make sure she helps everyone around her become their best self, including her own growth as well. She's a very connected educator, whether it's through Twitter, Voxer, or Google, so please make sure you connect with her after the episode. As I had mentioned earlier, Mandy is a dear friend of mine, and I was so excited to be able to record a conversation that we have. Even though we chat pretty regularly, it was great to have a more formal conversation about some of the things that she's doing and the impact she's having in the field of education. And so I'm excited to share with you. So hang on. This is going to be one empowering ride. 
So I want to give a quick disclaimer. We had some tech issues recording this episode, and so there is a rather annoying clicking sound that occurs throughout the interview. However, I know the value that Mandy is sharing is fantastic and is going to empower you, so bear with us during this episode. Hey! Hi! I'm so glad we got it to work. Dang, between the time change (laughs) and technology, dear God. I know, I was like, maybe I broke the internet. (laughs) No, I think it was me, I don't know. (laughs) Well, hey Mandy, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thank you for having me, I'm so excited. Before we dive in, I know you're in Texas and there's tons of reports about all the heat, so I want to make sure you're (laughs) A-OK. I am doing fine, but I have lived in Texas my whole life, so for me it's just another summer day. <laughs> oh my god, what is the temperature? Um, I think today was 101 maybe. Okay, well that's not bad. I heard not some place in Texas was like 120. Oh gosh, not here. <laughs> I know, dear god. And they were saying that they had to reroute airplanes because the oh, tarmac was like melting equipment melting. or something, yeah. <laughs> well, if we could if we could do a podcast poolside, a poolside podcast. <laughs> We can make that happen. That would be <laughs> <I> awesome. Mean, <laughs> that's, that's something that we could definitely consider. <laughs> All right. So elite educators around the world are just really eager to learn from you. So I'm going to dive into some questions that they're wondering. Sounds great. So why don't you share with everyone how our two paths have crossed? Okay. So um, it's actually a funny story because today I was telling someone that I needed to get home and I was going to talk with you and I was like yeah a friend of well an internet friend well I mean from Voxer I mean well from Twitter and then I was like okay let me just explain so um about a year and a half ago I um was teaching third grade and I got to go to a technology conference that our district was putting on and they were about to roll out iPads for all of our teachers and so they wanted to do a small little section of um, PD, and so two teachers per campus um, were able to go and kind of get their iPads early and talk to the tech department and just kind of hammer out problems and things like that. So while we were there, one of our uh, digital learning coaches did a session on using Twitter for professional development. And, you know, at that point, Twitter for me was kind of like, uh, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. Like I didn't really understand in terms of um, how I would use it for my classroom or how I would connect with other teachers. I just didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And so when they were talking about it, I went home and really started exploring it. And ever since I did that, like I, it really has not even been two full years yet, but my world, my education world has completely changed. And so um, we just kind of, I, I think met in a Twitter chat and then all of a sudden, um, last year I made the transition out of the classroom into an instructional coaching position. And so, um, really found myself kind of searching and wondering and looking for a group of, um, people that could kind of help me on that journey because, um, instructional coaching is this strange, ambiguous, term. And I wasn't really in the classroom, but I wasn't really 
administrative and I was having a hard time finding people to fit in with. And so um, I got on Twitter and and used my PLN that way and then was really able to kind of um, connect um, even further with you on Voxer and and that's where that's where we are. Well, you get the award for the most thorough explanation <laughs> of how our paths have crossed. That's awesome. But yeah, I think a lot of us have said, you know, I know this person through multiple avenues and none of them are face to face and it used right. to be awkward and you almost were embarrassed to admit that, but yes. it just is the way it is now. I mean, most of my mentors in best like edgy buddies are virtual and I've learned right. to be okay with them. Well, and it was cute because I said something to my mom about like, oh, well, my friend Gretchen. And she's like, I don't know that I've ever met Gretchen. I'm like, oh, she lives in another state. And then she's like, is that safe? And it was so funny. I was like, well, I I, I think so. (laughs) So the jury's still out on you. Yeah, God, that's funny. Well, I know you were mentioning transitioning out of the classroom. So fill us in on what you were doing in the classroom and then what your coaching role looks like now. Okay, so I uh, taught um, elementary school for 17 years. I taught, uh, I know, I, for the record, I started when I was 21, so that I am not a 97-year-old teacher. (laughs) Um, But I I taught for 17 years, and um, our district just this past year uh, decided to put instructional coaches on every campus, and so I uh, went ahead and interviewed for um for that position i've been working with the central texas writing project as um, a co-director which gives me the opportunity to mentor uh teachers that are working on uh, graduate writing credit and so um through that process i really kind of decided that i enjoyed working with uh teachers and so and then the idea of professional development has always been really important to me too so it just kind of seemed like a good way to put all of those things together in one job mm-hmm. so this last year uh, was my first year out of the classroom which was its its own set of um learning experiences for me but it has been um it's been overwhelmingly um, it, it's taught me a lot. I was about to say positive, but it, I, that would kind of be sugarcoating it. It's been a, it's been a difficult transition for me because I didn't leave the classroom because I was ready to not be with kids. Um, I just felt like this was, uh, the right time and the right place and the right opportunity for me to explore this other part of who I am and what I do. But, uh, it was, I didn't, I think I underestimated how hard it was going to be for me to kind of find my way. But um, I'm really excited about next year because I feel like I have a little better handle on all of the, (laughs) all the different components of coaching and how it can help teachers and ultimately impact kids. Yeah. And I think, you know, your first year coaching is like your first year in the classroom. You're just trying to keep your head above water and like logistically figure things out. And now you're like, okay, I I get what this is about. Now I'm going to improve pretty much everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to change everything that I've ever did. Yes. And now you're ready to like hit the ground running, you know, trying new initiatives or just getting better. So I can totally understand where you're coming from. Now, I often get asked the question a lot, how did I get chosen to be a coach. So tell us, did someone come out and seek you to fill the position or did they put it out there and you applied and interviewed and got it? 
Right. Well, our particular district, the way that they, um, the process was handled was we, I just kind of heard murmurings that they were going to add instructional coaches. Um, we had had some at the secondary level and then we had had some digital learning coaches, but, um, we hadn't really had instructional coaches that were campus based. And so, of course, the timing uh, for me wasn't ideal because usually around spring break is when I start getting antsy about the following year. I know most teachers are like, I just want to know what grade. I want to know what school. I want to know if I'm changing rooms or not. You know, just the very practical side of of that. And so uh, we didn't I didn't even interview until after school was out. And so that was hard because I didn't know if I was going to be if I was going to get to stay on the same campus, if I was going to be, you know, moved, if I was going to even, you know, teach or not. So it was, it was a really kind of strange thing, but no, I interviewed, um, like just a regular job interview. I interviewed at several different campuses and then, um, made the decision to, you know, when I chose the specific school, um, where I am now, it was, you know, I just had to base it on a lot of different, decisions, you know, it was best for my, my family and my kids and logistics, but I'm really excited about where I am, but it was definitely, I hadn't interviewed in what, 17 years. Cause I had taught for you know, so long. And so that was the whole interview process was a completely, um, you know, nerve wracking experience just because I hadn't done it in so long. Yeah. What did they ask you? I mean, for me, it was a lot about data on you know, moving teachers, but if you haven't been a coach before, what did they really focus on? You know, that was something that was so interesting. A lot of it was about people and communication. And I think that that's uh, one of the biggest things that I've learned this year is the idea of communication skills and how different it is working with um, primarily adults Mm -hmm than working with children because in in the classroom I had a very very clear picture of what I was doing what my expectations were my schedule even though you know elementary teachers have to be flexible but even within that I still had control over so many things and I think the I think really with coaching it's that ambiguity that is so difficult. And so a lot of the questions that they asked me, of course, to be fair, this was a new position for our district. So they weren't trying to fill like fit me into a particular mold yet. I think the interview teams were trying to kind of determine the mold at the same time they were asking the questions. And so, um, you know, there were some base and I interviewed on different campuses just so that I would kind of have my, um, you know, as many options as I could. And so for the most part, the questions were similar, um, just about working with different personality types. Um, you know, what kind of data do you use to inform decisions in the classroom? What kinds of curriculum, you know, I was familiar with and then, you know, being comfortable presenting in front of adults because coaches are often called on to do professional development, um, to be facilitators or to actually lead PD sessions. And, and so that was, that for me was, um, was something that I discovered kind of was important. And then also to, um, confidentiality and just the idea of being, um, 
you know, because when you're a coach, you're working with teachers on something that is so close to their heart. Teaching is such a personal, personal uh, experience. And so when anybody comments or questions or, you know, seems to be involved in the way I teach, it's very personal. And so I think that um, some of their questions were, you know, how would you handle it if you felt like a teacher was doing something that was kind of going against best practice or, you know, um, a lot of situational things that um, really kind of made me reflect on, you know, what I would do because I don't know. I mean, I, it was, I hadn't done it yet. So it was, you know, I just had to do the best I could based on what I would want from a coach as a classroom teacher. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, the best lesson I learned being a coach too was learning how to communicate the same message in like 45 million different ways <laughs> based on how the person needed to hear it. But I also really became a better educator because I was seeing so many more classrooms and so many more teachers. And I had the opportunity to work with distinguished educators. It wasn't just so new ones. many teachers. Well, I told somebody the other day, I was like, if I could go back in the classroom tomorrow, I would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> like, just because my world has been broadened, even just within my own building, I've been able to see so because we really do live in a bubble, you know, you live in your classroom bubble. Yep. And then there's your grade level, you know, at the elementary level. And then, you know, there's kind of your campus, your team and, and just kind of how you do things. But coaching has even allowed me to be on other campuses and do learning walks and getting into classrooms at different places. And I'm like, I, I never even thought about that. And I never, you know, and, and I feel like I was an effective, strong teacher before, but I have even started to question some of my own practices just by seeing it in another way in another room. So absolutely. I think that's one of the things that Um, I even thought like, what if you were on a cycle, you know, like where you coached for a year and taught for a year and then coached for a year and taught for a year, just so that you could kind of put that back into practice, you know, the, just the cool things that you learn. Yeah. So I completely agree. Yeah. We had learning walks in my school and what that consisted of was anyone could go see another person teach. But the part that really was hard for us is I then had to get coverage for whatever time I wanted to go. And that was probably near impossible because our facilitators were doing a million different things and they would be the only ones instructionally capable of popping Mm -hmm. in K through five, you know, (laughs) and, um, it was just logistically way too hard. So people didn't do it. And then on the Mm -hmm. district level, we had something similar. You'd sign up for a time and the district would pay for a sub to come in. But that just takes so much planning on your part. So if you're not really a go-getter and you don't have your own stuff, you know, ready to go, then you're not going to go out and learn. And so I think the percentage of people taking advantage of that was small. And so I I just feel like the coaching role has really, like you and I have said, it just really opened our eyes to what is happening. And then I know you were talking about this before, Twitter chats and Voxer, I mean, changed my world too. So we're just really benefiting from everything around us. I feel like that is so true. And we've had, um, I know we have administrative work, uh, learning walks. So the principals will all go do learning walks on a particular campus and things like that. And, um, the coaches haven't, we've done it a lit, like maybe once or twice, 
But what's so funny to me is, you know, we come back and when we're reflecting on that, it's like the teachers need to do the learning walks because yes. they're the ones that it doesn't do any good even if, I mean, I can go see things and that's great. But when I, um, at the very end of the year, I took two teachers to go and we did a learning walk on another campus and were, they were so excited, like the whole car ride back, we, they were just buzzing with just seeing other teachers in our very district. Like it wasn't even far. It wasn't this long involved process. We just figured out a way for their classes to be covered so that, you know, we could go over there. And now that gives me a chance to work with them, you know, in their classrooms and provide that follow up. But um, it was just so powerful with them getting to see other teachers. Yeah. So what would you say is, you know, the one thing that makes educators great now that you've been able to work with so many? Oh, my gosh. That's such a good question. But, um, you know, I think probably it's just that reflection piece. It's just that, like, there is no teacher that is perfect. There is no lesson. There is no classroom. There is no program that is perfect. There is all because you're dealing with human people and little human people. Yeah. <laughs> and so anytime, you know, just when you are working with humans, something is always going to be weird or be an exception or go wrong. And so I think just the idea of being reflective and reflecting on your practice and saying, okay, um, this didn't reach everybody. What could I do to change this and make it better? Or, um, I don't really think that they got this part or, um, I just, I, some of the most effective teachers I work with, I feel like identify something and look at what they can do to improve their practice yeah. instead of blaming things on timing, scheduling, administration, the kids, like, you know, they just are very reflective in thinking about that constant improvement, which for the coaching cycle, um, you know, I've, I've looked at Jim Knight, I've looked at Elena Aguilar, I've looked yeah. at, you know, pretty much anybody I can to find out how to do this job better. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that just keeps coming back over and over is just the idea of it being a cycle that, that you identify something, you learn about it, you implement it, you follow up and then you reflect and then you say, okay, now what do I continue down this road or do I try something different or what do I, you know, and just realizing like it's never, you've never arrived. You're always just changing. You know, there's always just something that, that you can do better or improve or the kids are different. And so it's not necessarily that you're terrible and you always need to get better. It's more just what can I do tomorrow to, to best, to be the very best for, for these kids. So I think probably reflection is, is really what I think is the most important. Yeah, and you brought up two of my favorite people. So Jim Knight wrote a book, Better Conversations, which... Oh, gosh. And coaching is, like you said, communication's everything. And so mm -hmm. if we can't learn how to, you know, convey a message and in a way that's really going to put the ownership on the other person, and a lot of that's just through questioning versus telling right. them something then we're not going to be great at our job. So I love Jim Knight and he's so active on Twitter. If, if anyone ever asks him a question, he's, you know, quick to respond and he joins mm -hmm. us on Twitter chats and yes. he's great. And then Elena Aguilar wrote the art of coaching, which is like my Bible for like, mm -hmm. what is coaching and what to do. So I'm glad you brought those up. Um, so at Jim Knight nine, nine is his Twitter handle. 
And our district, we were fortunate enough. He came and spent two days with the instructional coaches in our district. And he is the most dark. I have a selfie that I, with him that I will send you. Um, okay, cool. He is just the most darling man. And I learned so much from him in those two days. And it's funny because the more people I talk to, I have three books right now that I'm working on. I'm working on a book called, well, his book called Better Conversations. And then I'm reading one called Crucial Conversations. Oh, I love that And I'm, I'm reading one called Fierce Conversations. And then there's another one called How the Way We Talk Can Change the Way We Work. Mm. And it's funny because that's four books. And I had them the other day and my husband was like, you're reading four books on how to talk more? <laughs> He's like, awesome. Like, is this my life? And I was like, no, 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 no. Not talk more. Talk better. Talk more effectively. And he was like, okay, now that? Okay, but. He's probably like, why do you need four books to help you do that? And he's like, wait, are we talking better? Are we talking crucially? Are we talking fiercely? Because all these books are different. And I'm like, do you see why it's so hard? Yes. And it's right because your audience is different. So each book gives a different perspective. So I love that you're mentioning all these. I'll have to do some digging. But Crucial Conversations is the one I first fell in love with because Mm -hmm. it's talking about the hard stuff. And and crucial meaning, if I don't talk about this now, our situation never gets better. It's like those conversations you don't want to have but are so necessary in order for change to happen. And it could be so uncomfortable. But as a coach, you just got to have them. Well, and and I think too, what I have found is that weird kind of place between being in the classroom and being, um, and being administrative and coaches are this weird purgatory. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Um, but it's very strange because one of the hardest things that, um, that I've gone through this year is that feeling sometimes of not making an impact. And, and, and I think that for me personally, no matter what was going on or how hard teaching was, I knew at the end of the day that I was impacting kids. I knew that I had a relationship or I knew if I went to their soccer game or I knew if, um, they liked a book that I had recommended or, you know, whatever it was that I was making an impact. And so, um, I'll be very, very honest. My daughter is an, is she's in, she was in third grade this last year at our campus. And, um, the first time she got sick, um, during school, my husband couldn't come get her. And so I, you know, was, she was in the nurse and she had a fever and we need to, you know, kind of needed to leave. And my principal was like, well, just just take her home. And, and I was like, well, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I, and he's like, well, just, just take her home. And, and I was like, okay. And where I should have been thankful, I, I got home and I cried, like literally cried tears. And I couldn't figure out why, like, I was like, how, what a gift that you're able to go home with your child that is sick and you're not, and you didn't have to write some plans. But in my mind, because of, because of just who I am, I guess, in my mind, I was like, I'm not important to anybody. I can cancel my appointments in the afternoon and nothing changes. Like, you know, and, and I know that that's not completely fair, but that's what it felt like to me. Like the first time, the first, first day of school was hard. The first time we had, um, a Christmas party and I didn't have one to go to. Like there are very strange, um, little firsts that I didn't realize would be hard for me that were. And so it was, I I think that, um, that idea of, 
of impact is, um, is a big one. And like you were saying with teaching, the stakes are always high and the kids are always important and, and there's always something to do. And so I think that is where I, um, am so committed to making an impact because if I feel like I'm not going to be able to do that with teachers, I would just rather go back to the classroom. And so I need to know that the conversations that I'm having are, um, are, um, safe and respectful and that something is going to happen because I don't just want to talk about everything. I want to, I want things to improve. I want things to, right. I want there to be actionable steps towards a goal so that things are better for kids and teachers. And so, um, that, that idea of impact is a big one to me. I'm glad you brought up some of the downsides of being a coach because I think (laughs) everybody, no, I'm glad you did. It's honest communication and the fact that you look at this job and you look at this role and you're like, oh, the schedule's much more flexible. I get to be out and about in classrooms and I get to really have this different kind of impact. Like, and it's just roses, you know, and then you get in there and you, you feel so isolated because you don't have a team of buddies that you can talk with. And, you know, on twin day, it's like, wait, who, who can I dress alike? You know, because you can't. I do not. And in an elementary school where everything is so, um, is so like that. I, um, I felt like everything, I, I just was so surprised with how many times I felt not left out because everyone was so accommodating and kind and things like that. But things that I didn't realize, it was like, oh, we'll get with your team. And then I'm like, am I special? <laughs> I'm like, am I specials? Am I support staff? If, am I administrative? I, I don't know. Like, and, and nobody else really knew either because it was the first time, you know? Yeah. So I think it was just kind of that idea of, of finding your place. And the thing is, is I, I didn't want to overstep. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself kind of, uh, surveying and pulling back, but then there were times when I think the teachers needed me to be a little bit more, um, not, not aggressive, but, but, um, ask more, you know, like, because the teachers are always like, whenever you want, come in whenever you want. But then I was like, well, I know as a teacher, I didn't want people to just comment like, you know what I mean? So it was, I think this year I, I have a better, much better comfort level about knowing how to approach and, and, and to, like you mentioned before, that idea of everybody being kind of different because, you know, we differentiate for our kids all the time, but yep. when you're working with adults, sometimes we forget how, um, you know, everybody, there's different personalities and different people now that I know um, have different methods and ways. And, and so it's been kind of a social, um, experiment for me, like social learning, just learning about adult learners and, and how, um, how I can work with adults better and improve that whole, um, just the whole idea of communicating and, and, and being human is still, Because the thing is, is I was, you know, there are days as a classroom teacher when sometimes you just need to vent. And, and so sometimes as an instructional coach, I was always looking to, okay, so what are we going to do from this? Um, And so sometimes though, it's like when my husband and I, sometimes I just need to talk to him. I don't want him to fix it. I just want to listen. (laughs) And so there are times when I've had to say, okay, does this teacher just need to process this? 
does this teacher want something to come out of this? Does, are they just venting? Is this, and, and so I've really, I'm, I'm quite a talker, but I've really had to become a better listener and just, um, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm getting better, I hope, but I'm not, it's just, I'm so used to talking. I've talked, I've been a teacher for 17 years. I talk for an actual living. So (laughs) it's been um, like, okay, just listen, 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 listen. Yeah, and I think, you know, being in front of a group of kids, when I learned to teach, it was direct instruction, so it was all about me. And then when I did PD, or started doing PD, it was, again, all about me. And now right. everything's shifted to facilitative, which did, right. yeah, ask you to ask questions and listen. And so I think I've had some practice, but I definitely can't say I'm a pro by any means. And every day I struggle thinking I could have asked a better question that wouldn't require four follow-up questions if I had just thought it through. And thought it's it through. definitely like, oh my gosh, a brain exercise. And you want to like, if you could sit on your mouth, you know, to make yourself stop. (laughs) And, um, in terms of like you you were mentioning feeling like purgatory, you're right because (laughs) you don't really have a nice kind of purgatory. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, there's just no group for you yet because there's really almost one coach per school or or however it's set up to start and and you're not really admin yet but you're definitely no longer a teacher and it's like where do I fit but then also where's that line I don't want to go buddy around with my old teammates or or third grade because I love third grade you know I have to make sure I'm uh, this person that gets along with everyone, which means I I don't have very many deep connections because I'm trying to connect with everybody. And, and that is just very lonely, but at the same time, without that role and without the change, you don't get to see the change. And I wouldn't, and this is selfish, but I wouldn't have become such a better educator if I didn't put myself kind of in this island position. And as sad as some things are like, you know, not having that twin for twin day, other things (laughs) make up for it that I couldn't have in the classroom. So I think it's probably the same, you know, pluses and minuses, but I think if anyone ever has the uh, opportunity to become a coach, I mean, hands down, you got to go try it. Yeah, it, it definitely has been, I think it has grown me, um, professionally and personally, probably even more personally than, um, than as a professional, I, I feel like I have learned so much about teaching and, and, um, you know, one thing I, I consider myself an extrovert and we talked before about being a talker, but, um, one of the things that, being in classrooms has given me is this perspective on how teachers can be so impactful when they are quiet. And I um, have been able to observe some teachers who probably by all, you know, for all intents and purposes, aren't considered, um, you know, like the most, the, the most out there, whatever teachers, but but um, they almost have this magic that is um, this way of drawing kids in and um, may, having them work. And it's, it's this, um, I read a book of, of several years ago called Quiet. And it's about, um, it's called The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. Oh. And I read it because my husband is an introvert. And, and I was fascinated with that process, with just the differences in our personalities and things. Mm-hmm. But um it really was talking about how education is built for extroverts. Like the, the, um, like that most schools are, are 
kind of cater to extroverts. You know, if you're a, a sharer and you raise your hand and you participate and things like that. And so that perspective has been really interesting to me to kind of um, think about things as an observer and someone that gets energy from not being loud and, um, you know, that idea, that shift kind of a facilitating has really been an interesting process for me personally, because it has not, it's not about me. It's about what's best for kids. And I find that a lot of times that's different than what I would naturally choose just because of my personality. And so my goal now as a coach is to help every teacher discover what that thing is for them, for their classroom. And, and so I'm working towards, you know, the, the communication skills that will help, help me get there. Yeah. I think I've like recently come up with a phrase that really helps me stay focused on what my job is and it's cultivating talent. And what I mean by that is it's finding what is that person's one thing? What is their unique factor that we can utilize to really springboard their own professional development? And it's in me to not share well, if I were in your situation, mm-hmm. this is what I would do. But it's exactly. more like, I know you're like this. I know you have this relationship with this class. Here's an idea. Or what do you think about? And it's really getting what is already there in their potential and getting it to come out. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And right. like I keep mentioning it's a lot of thinking being a coach because mm-hmm. you, you can't just walk in and have effective conversations and have an effective plan. But I think like what you're mentioning is just really allowing that person to grow by you stepping mm-hmm. back and analyzing and, and having conversations that make them reflect or connect the dots themselves versus right. you having to say it. And it's so much more powerful. Yeah. And you know what's it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, one of the things that I feel like has helped me the very most this year is um, our lead instructional coach for our district kind of is coaching me. <laughs> and um, one of the things that she believes in really strongly that I'm trying to learn more about is the idea of using protocols. Um, the idea of leading and facilitating teachers in these process, like in a process that gets them to identify instead of me choosing it for them or telling them, or even within data conversations, you know, where instead of me looking at scores or um, information or whatever ahead of time and saying, okay, so if y'all will look at 19C, you can see blah, blah, blah is leading them towards certain things. So with a student work protocol, with a kindergarten team, we were looking at uh, student writing and the, the, the things that the kinder teachers were able to, you know, call out of that conversation. They were like, I wouldn't have thought about it that way before. And it wasn't anything I did. It was just me leading them through this process of what do you notice about the kids writing? What do you think? What do we assume is happening? You know, and, um, you can do that idea, that protocol idea with, with, with uh, so many different things. And I find that it's good in the classroom too, to have the kids do that. So, um, that, and then it makes it less personal, um, which I think sometimes is good because we get very, very, um, protective of our data. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, going through that process with protocols keeps it on track. You, it's more scheduled. It's more, um, it follows a process a little bit better. And I think it helps us with our time, um, and, and staying on track and, and really looking at something from a different angle that you may not have thought of before. 
Well, and as forward thinking, it's okay, what are we going to do from here versus now, right. what have you been doing, which is that personal piece? You know, and the other, um, Eric Sandberg, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. On, on, um, on Twitter, I found um, he has a, an instructional coaching blog, and one of, he has a quote that I printed out that says, coaching isn't about what's wrong, it's about what's next. Mm, love it. And I love that idea because I think some teachers, I mean, well, no, depending on how instructional coaches are used on a campus, right. I think some teachers have this idea that, well, if I work with the coach, it's because I'm ineffective or I'm not doing this right or I'm doing something wrong. And I love that idea of coaching is about finding, you know, something that you can improve, not because it was wrong, but because, okay, here's where we are now. What, what, where do I go next? What am I going to do next? Yeah. And I mean, we all have mentors. I mean, maybe the word coaching is what deters people, but if we're all trying to grow, I mean, even the best athletes have a Mm -hmm. coach and that's not to say they're not good and don't have foundational skills. It's to just keep improving. And I think as soon as that stigma is erased from what a coach is, I mean, people are going to be rushing to you to please give me feedback or please help me think through this. I can't wait to do it better next time. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that I don't know if it's the word, if it's the title, I can't, you know, but I, I think you're right too that, and I know in our district, it's just new. And so people, you know, anytime it's new, you can't just completely expect everybody to understand and know. And, um, but I'm definitely excited about looking ahead to the process and, and kind of embracing that idea a little bit more. I actually wrote a blog post several, um, uh, several months ago about grownups need mentors too. And it was just about the idea of like, um, mentor text and that you find people that, um, you know, it was talking about how it's good for kids, but it's good for, it's good for grownups that we have to find people that we can grow from and I'll have to pull it out. (laughs) Well, since you brought it up, who is your current mentor? Oh my gosh. Um, well, like in, in the, the, interwebs world or just like the <laughs> an actual person that exists in whichever, real life <laughs> so um you know I I find that what I building a PLN or this professional learning network of people um has has given me this unique pers- perspective because I can call on certain people for certain things and I think that's being a good steward of of just humanity in general, probably. But, um, I mentioned, um, Rochelle, that's our lead instructional coach for the district. I use her a lot because she has more experience doing this job than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, when I am frustrated because of a situation, um, I've often will text one of the other elementary instructional coaches in our district Mm -hmm. because they have the perspective of, um, being at a campus like I am with, you know, administration or knowing just kind of how to help me in that particular situation. Um, when I'm looking for um, information about technology or something like that, we've got digital learning coaches um, in our district that I've gotten to know this year better, and and I utilize them a lot. I, I talk to you often. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just frustrated. I don't know what to do. And on Voxer or, you know, we'll send funny pictures or something like that. Um, I have connected through Twitter with um, Jason Bretzman and Kenny yes. Boss that wrote Personalized, Personalized PD. PD. And 
as I'm trying to shift into, um, you know, kind of a consulting position, looking at presenting professional development and things like that, I've, I've asked them a lot of questions about presentations and writing and things like that. So, um, and then to be honest, sometimes I'll just get on Twitter and say, hey, what are some good ways to um, use iPads with, um, you know, a classroom that's not one-to-one? And I will get responses. People just, you know, that has been so powerful to me is the idea of um, Voxer and Twitter and how we can leverage that for quick, fast answers that are in real time with people that know what they're doing and, yeah. and really just expanding that idea of, of um, a network of people that are here to help each other and, and, um, and, and just to help everybody. We want to help the kids, you know, and so um, I just am so fascinated with how I can send, I can throw something out on Twitter and I'll have all these um, ideas and people and people will send me direct messages or here's a link or here's a Google doc or check this out. And it's just so encouraging. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned multiple mentors. Cause I think a lot of people think, Oh my God, I need a mentor. And it's like this guru of life. Right. right. But it really isn't. It's someone who's really good at this niche or this aspect of what I'm trying to learn. And then there's this person over here who's really good at this one thing. And right. so you're kind of creating this tribe that you're going to reach yes. out to. And it, and it's a revolving door because sometimes you outgrow someone's knowledge base or they take a different direction and their expertise. And so you grab someone new, and add them to your tool belt and that's what I love about social media is you can get instant mentors like you said with just one question um, Absolutely. so what would you say when you're trying to stay current I know you mentioned reading books and Twitter is there any other avenue you use to just make sure you are up to date on what's happening um you know I what I have found is I've I am in a couple of um professional organizations like TCTELA, the Texas Council for Teachers of English and Language Arts, um, some things like that. I subscribe to uh, Choice Literacy. I just subscribe to um, some literacy blogs and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm, like I said, because I'm a reader and because social media is a big deal to me, um, I find that, <laughs> you know, the the internet um gods that are just out there cultivating all your information, they always seem to kind of point me towards, you know, here, you're going to want to follow this person. You're right. going to want this article. And, and it's probably equal parts strange and terrifying as it is helpful. <laughs> but, um, you know, for the most part, I, um, I will, um, it, it's like, yes, I, I did want that book. I did need that. I did, you know, um, I've been able to go to some neat conferences. The What Great Educators Do Differently conference recently was very, very um, inspirational to me. They actually have a um, the lead-up chat. Um, their kind of motto is find your tribe, and it's exactly like you said before, um, just that idea of finding teachers and educators that will kind of rally around you and, and work with you to improve you know, practice and to improve things for our kids. Um, but, but yeah, I think probably those organizations and then, um, I mean, I, I have found Twitter to be probably the most impactful. And then I feel like Twitter is kind of a gateway drug to me. <laughs> and then, yes. and then after that I follow up, um, 
with people that I'm really interested in learning from, you know, kind of at a deeper level, I have connected with on Boxer and that's been really helpful. Cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I know you mentioned a little bit about now taking a step to kind of do things on your own, whether it's consulting or just being an edupreneur. So what are you currently working on? What would you say is your current project? <laughs> well, here's the problem because I, you know, not being in the classroom this year has kind of created this space for me. Um, because like you said, you're always, you know, my brain is just always going and always going. And, um, so one of the things that I have, I've, I've wanted to write a book for at least 10 years. And, um, I, I've always kind of joked with my friends, like that's going in the book, that's going in the book. And, um, I'm working with the writing project this summer and, and somebody the other day I was reading something that I'd written and they were like, so, so are you writing the book? And I'm like, I need to write the book. I'm like, and they said, no, are you writing the book? And I was like, okay. Accountability. <laughs> so I like I it. I felt, I was kind of like, oh man, like you're going to really make me be a, be a grown up here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm 39 years old. Like it is time to stop just waiting. And, and this is something I could have done a decade ago. And I think when you're in the classroom and raising small children, you're, you know, like I, I just didn't have the space for it. And I don't know if it's because I'm older now or because I'm out of the classroom, but I'm, I'm feeling like, okay, there are certain goals that I'm setting for myself. I, I want to write this book. Um, I want to, I've started a blog that I am um, using to reflect for myself and hopefully that other teachers can draw some inspiration from. Um, I'm trying to work on a teacher's pay teacher store. I'm trying to just kind of look into the different aspects of how, you know, it goes back to that impact idea that we talked about earlier is, um, if I'm not going to be in the classroom impacting, um, children immediately, you know, where I can see it in their faces, what can my impact be? Um, through teachers. And right. so um, the more that I work with teachers and, and work in professional development situations and things like that, I really feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. Um, but then it's so, so then what goes along with that? And so I'm just trying to kind of, like I said, you know, I had thought about the idea of a podcast and it's like, I'd need to sit down and and visit with the people like you were saying, like, okay, so I need to get with Gretchen so I can learn how to do that. There are things that I don't even did, didn't even realize until I got on Twitter and started connecting with people, um, things that were options or avenues within that education field, you know, of all the different ways that that can head. Yeah, that's cool. And I think you've mentioned two big ones. So let's do a shameless plug. Tell me <laughs> your blog name and address so we can visit you. And then also tell us your Teachers Pay Teachers store address. Um, well, they're both the same. Uh, TaylorMadeTeaching.com is my blog. And um, I finally like took the, you know, I had had a blog on Blogger for a really long time. And I finally, um, I had looked at a blog that I thought was really pretty and I thought, you know what, I'm going to, this is going to be my actionable step. So I actually paid the money to work with a girl called designs by Cassie and she created this beautiful blog for me. And I feel like it reflects my personality and it's, um, a little quirky and weird, but then also, you know, which is totally me. Um, 
I was like, can you do something called tasteful leopard? And she's like, um, okay. And tell me more about that. And I said, well, I love leopard print, like to the point that it is weird. Like I almost have something leopard print every single day. Um, but I don't want a leopard print blog because I don't feel it. I said, but can you work it in there some way? And she was the most delightful girl to work with. She's a stay at home mom, has four kids and has discovered that, um, that uh, graphic design is something she's good at. And so I got in this really cool place of like women empowerment. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let in, I don't have the time or the energy to try to do this well. And the blogger templates that were there weren't working for me in my mind. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to let her do what she's good at and here. And so I was like, even tasteful leopard can be (laughs) executed professionally. (laughs) That's awesome. It's, it's, I, dear, I was like, oh gosh, I need to send her a gift. She's probably like, what in the world are we doing here? But I was like, technology, leopard, books. And she's like, okay. Oh my God. I love that. And I love that you're wanting to hold yourself accountable for these things because Mm -hmm. that's, what's going to make you really have your impact is like, we've got to take action. We keep telling teachers to do X, Y, Z, but it's not until they jump off into the deep end that it happens. And so we need to take our own advice. And if you want to sell resources, open up that teachers pay teacher store. If if you want to reach, you know, other educators, start your blog. So I'm glad to hear you're doing it. And I can't wait to annoy the heck out of you to get that book done. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, it, it, that whole idea of, of, um, it's like equal parts accountability and follow up because like Mm -hmm. for me, that's was always so annoying as a teacher when someone would come in a consultant or whatever and do some sort of PD and then they leave. And then if, if nobody was charged with the idea of following up, then you may not, even if it was a great strategy or structure, you may not ever do it again because of the follow up and, or the lack of follow up. And so I'm, I'm really hoping that instructional coaching as is becoming more popular these days, that that can be this, I guess, conduit for follow up so that, you know, something comes in and then we continue to follow up and follow up because I think that presents its own layer of accountability. So that when, um, like you said, um, you know, working with the writing project, I've been very, I've been ramped up like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm working on chapters and I'm typing things out and I'm feeling very productive. But then when the writing project's over at the end of June, I'm like, am I going to forget about it? Because nobody's there to push me along, you know? So it's kind of finding that. And, and to be really honest, several months ago, I got really brave one day and I took a picture of like me and my laptop and I posted it like on Facebook. Cause I was like, I have wanted to do this forever and I am writing a book. I'm writing it because I thought if I put it out there, then maybe people will ask me about it. And if they ask me about it, maybe I will do it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, one of my good friends, Melissa Emler, she said what helps her, in addition to accountability, is Mm -hmm. choosing, well, for her as a podcast. So she's like, I'm going to choose a launch date. I'm going to look at a calendar. I'm going to eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And that is the date that it's all got to be ready. And it scared the crap out of her. But because of that, it lit a fire under her. And she's like, dang, I got to know you know, use my inner teacher and plan backwards and figure out what I got to do each day to make it there. So if you're really wanting to step it up, you might want to think about that. Well, and just that idea of little deadlines. Um, I'm working with, I'm using a passion planner 
Um, Angela Trinidad has this beautiful product called the Passion Planner. And I had never needed a planner as a classroom teacher because I always knew what I was going to be doing. Like I knew on Tuesdays at 930, I was in the library. I didn't need a planner because I already, I had my lesson plans. I didn't need a separate planner. And I always tried and I had the cute ones and everything. And I just, by September 12th, I had always forgotten it because I, I didn't need it. Yeah. And then, then I became a coach and I was like, uh, I have Where's no idea what, what do I do? And so she has this beautiful product called a passion planner where you decide what your passion is and then you work on actionable steps cool. to, um, to say, okay, by this week, this is what I'm going to work on. And, um, so I've been kind of using that to kind of put some of those goals into, um, steps that are easier for me to take on because yeah, when you say write a book, really, okay, cute. That's fun. But, but like, okay, I'm going to write the preface or, okay, I'm going to work on chapter one or, you know, and kind of, I think you're right. I need a, I need a deadline, a self-imposed deadline. (laughs) I know. And then, you know, celebrate. So when you're like, okay, I'm going to get the first draft done of the table of contents in chapter one by uh, next Tuesday. And when I do, my husband and I are going out to dinner. Like if there's something exciting, then you're going to work hard to make sure you get it done. Otherwise it's like, oh, I'll just wait till next Tuesday. (laughs) So what you need to know is I'm going to be sending you drafts of my book in your inbox. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you have mentioned like tons of people and tons of resources. So I'm going to link all of these up in the show notes. That way people can know exactly what you're talking about. But I wanted to hone in on our listeners here. So we've got a variety. We've got new teachers, um, teachers that might be transitioning, whatever that might mean. Um, It could put them in a sense of distress. But then we've got teacher leaders. And so if you had to pick one of these groups of teachers to give advice to, who would it be and what would you say to them? 100% probably the teachers in transition. Um, I connected with somebody on Twitter just the other night about, um, she said something about, um, I just accepted a job as an instructional coach. And I immediately sent her a message and was like, I just, I just finished my first year doing this. Let me know if you have any questions. And um, we've already started talking. She goes, thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm terrified of leaving the classroom. And And I actually wrote an entire blog post just on who am I, if not a teacher, like I, I don't know where my identity is, I'm lost. And, and so I I really think that that probably is just because that's where I'm sitting right now. I'm, I'm just still, you know, I'm just one year out of the classroom. And so I think that's probably who I identify the most with right now. And so besides reading that blog post, just give us a quick like one-liner summary of what you could say to someone that is like, oh God, what's ahead of me? Yeah, I think probably find your people. And and we talked about that earlier through, you know, finding a tribe and looking for a PLN. But whether it is um, another coach that's in a similar position at a campus other than yours, if it's... Um, at the very, very least, you know, somebody that you can connect with on Twitter that you can find in a Google community, um, just someone that can understand what you're going through. Because I think really just that idea of identify, we all want to identify with somebody. I just want someone to understand. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like to complain to classroom teachers because I feel like they look at me like you've lost your mind if you think your (laughs) life is hard. Because 
I have grades due tonight at 11 and you don't or um, and, and no, not that they would ever say something like that. But I think surely they would think it because I've been there. And, and so I completely understand. I'm not saying one's harder and one's easier. I'm saying it's a different. It's different. And, you and know so I relate think, to. Right. And so I think finding people that are going through a similar experience, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Hashtag um, tribe. Oh my gosh. Like find your people, love them hard. And <laughs> I've, I think I've seen what a you shirt. said, oh, is that really a shirt? I've seen, it says, yes, it says find your tribe, love them hard. Oh, I and I was like, yes, because you just, you do, you have to find those people and, um, that can listen to you and celebrate you and, but then also kind of commiserate. Sometimes we just need to sit in it. You know, I'm, yep. I'm, you know what? It's okay that I cried on field day because I didn't have a class with tug of war. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> As tears are running down your face. It's, it's fine. fine. I'll be fine. I'm great. I'm great. It's fine. <laughs> well, if someone is like, okay, how do I find my people? I mean, I think what you and I keep saying is, Get on social media and literally yes. just put a question out there like, hey, just got this job. Who can I connect with? And immediately right. people are going to be suggesting people or reaching out like you did to that person saying, hey, I just finished my first year. Let's connect. Right. And let it go from there. But I think you're really amiss if you're looking around your current location. I think right. a lot of my mentors are are abroad even or, or in the States, but I think it's great to just get on a Facebook group or a Twitter chat, something that's like a niche of the same people. And then from there, once you find that kind of tribe, then pick out one or two that are going to be your mentor and just right. don't feel bad asking because they were yes. where you are currently at one time and they didn't get to where they were alone. So they totally get needing help. Right. And, and that's kind of what happened is, um, I was on, I was on Google one night and, you know, there are so many teacher blogs right now. Elementary yes. teachers are blogging like crazy. I'm so proud of them. And so I was like, okay, well, instructional coaching is going to be the same thing. Right. And so I Googled instructional coach blogs and then I uh -huh. typed in like elementary and I was like, Hey, um, so there were like three and I was like, okay. And so then I did find, um, this girl, her blog, I think is called buzzing with miss B and she's an instructional coach. Um, I think she's a literacy coach, but, um, I read every single blog post she ever read because I felt like she was talking about how you can't go to the bathroom without taking your book because teachers will stop you on the way and want you to do something or want help with something. Oh my God, so and, then, true. and then you'll forget. And I was like, really? I mean, come on. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that happens. It like, just happened. Or she'll say, don't, don't schedule yourself without transition time. Yes. And, and that was funny because I did that. Like at the beginning of the year, that first couple of weeks of school, I, I had, I did like a sign up so that I could go in and introduce myself to the kids and give the teachers, you know, 30 minutes and, I did a read aloud and activity. So I booked it from 8 to 8.30, 8.30 to 9, 9 to 9.30, right? Well, then I realized, one, I had to get down the hallway, or two, I didn't go to the bathroom for, a, you know, six hours. or And I was like, what? hello, think this through. And so on her blog, she specifically spoke to all those different things. And I was like, I never even thought about it, but you're exactly right. So I learned a ton from her blog, and then, of course – she's brilliant. And so she has an Instagram account and all of these different things. So 
I, you know, I find her on Instagram, connect with her that way. And then I can go read a blog post if there's something that I want to explore, you know, further, but I'll give you another one. Kristen Hauser is uh, a coach and she is really about creating resources for coaches based on kind of things that she's realized. So it's Miss Hauser, M.S. Hauser. That name sounds familiar. I think she was the other one that I found. Yeah. And she's so sweet. And I think for me, it was great to connect with her because I'm like, okay, you are someone that gets it. You're, you've been coaching and now you're ready to like help coaches, not just teachers. And that's kind of where the space I'm now going into. And so for me, it was like, okay, awesome. Latch on to this person and, you know, swap information and stories. And so you're going to get there eventually. So you might as well have her on your list. Okay. I'll add it. Well, I can access that in your notes, right? Yep. I'll definitely put that (laughs) in there too. You'll add that too. Um, and so I always ask everyone, their all-star teacher moment, just to celebrate uh, your own accomplishments. <laughs> and it makes everyone blush and laugh and feel uncomfortable. But I will open it up to you if you want to talk about a coaching moment, but just something in your career that you felt like a shining star. Yeah, well, you know, probably I will have to say that one of the things that I'm learned that I've learned this year is that not everybody is comfortable with the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um I personally like the spotlight and that's probably because I'm an extrovert. I want to be a public speaker when I grow up, you know, like when you grow I, up, it's so cute. <laughs> well, it's fine. I, I'm trying to sound, seem really young since I know, <laughs> since I, I actually said my actual age on your podcast. So, um, I'm desperately holding on to that. Um, no, but, but not everybody operates like that. And so one of the things, um, that I've had to be really, aware of is how to kind of get teachers to understand how much I think of them and how um, important they are. And so one of the teachers that, um, that I've worked with this year is um, she's very, uh, what I would say, quiet. She's um, kind of self-deprecating, um, not unhealthily, not in an unhealthy way, but just very, um, she, I, I just don't feel like she thinks that other people can benefit from what she, she does. Say, yeah. And she's probably one of the most effective educators I've ever worked with. Wow. And, and I, I didn't realize ev- that even, I mean, I always knew she was a great teacher because I could tell with relationships and the way she interacted with kids and things like that. But um, this year I got to see it in a different way. And, um, and, and she was so open to the idea of coaching and learning and, um, and, you know, I, of course, after working with her was trying, I was trying to find ways to get other teachers into her classroom. And that was very uncomfortable for her, um, because she just didn't see it and, um, didn't want teachers to think that she thought she was better than anybody. And, and, and which I respect. Um, but I also think that we can, grow so much from watching and observing other teachers and things like that. So probably one of the, the biggest things for me this year was, um, the, (laughs) when I brought up the idea of video coaching, (laughs) she cried, cried tears. And I was like, okay, we're, it's, it's where we won't even talk about that anymore. Um, that, it's just a thought, but maybe, maybe, uh, maybe next year we'll try that or whatever. And, um, and I said, you know, I, I'm wanting to do this for me. Like I, 
am wondering if this is something that would really be effective or whatever. And so I said, what about this? What if we do it this way? And I said, if I film you, but then I don't even watch the, like, it's not for broadcast purposes. It's right. basically just to, to, for so that you can look at yourself and, and, and because, you know, sometimes you like Jim Knight talks about the current classroom reality, like what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the idea of video is just like, let's just look at it and then you can see, you know, I don't even have to be there. And so she was the next morning she came in and she's like, we're doing it. Oh, I love I it. Was like, I was like, what? And she goes, you, you can video me. We can, you can do it, <laughs> but you have to promise you won't ever show it to anybody. And I was like, not ever. Like, that's not, you know, it's, I'm not here to broadcast, you know, I'd like to, but I won't. I promise that I won't anyway. And I videoed her. I airdropped it to her iPad and she came back the next day and was talking about how powerful it was, how much of an impact it had made. Um, she's like, Oh, I, ex I know exactly what I want to do now. I need to provide more Senate stems because, um, they need to have more structured conversations. And I would never have known that if I didn't watch it on the video. And, um, she realized it herself. It was just, you know, so I think getting to facilitate that process, um, Mate was was like I went home that day and I was like, boom, that's what it's about. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and of course that goes with um, Jim Knight's focus on teaching book. He gives um, the idea of video coaching and how um, when you look at things from that perspective, using video and helping teachers identify for themselves what they want to work on and and improve on, the, just how powerful that can be for instruction. Yeah, and it can be overwhelming. I remember, like, in student teaching, I had oh, it as a requirement. Awful. But, and, yeah, in addition to me being awful. But there were so many things that I saw that it was so overwhelming. And so as a coach, you know, we're trained to go in and look for one thing, like have a lens because we could get so distracted by all these other things we want to fix. And so I think, you know, if someone is worried about, oh, I don't want to see myself on video – totally fine. Then when you watch the video, don't even look at you, look at right. kids. How many kids are giving you eye contact? How many kids are listening? You know, ha have some sort of job when you're watching. Cause otherwise you're going to be like a laundry list of things you need to change. And then <laughs> right. you're going to feel like the worst. My voice is ever. annoying. I say I'm too much, <laughs> yes. you know, like every <laughs> little thing. Well, in, in Jim Knight's book, he has checklists um, for coaches for, well, for, there's one for teachers and one for coaches. So the oh, teacher can actually, it's like a self reflection tool. So they watch their video and they watch themselves and then they watch the video again. And that time they watch the kids. Oh, I love and that. so it's, it's, it's really neat because it does take the focus off of what the teacher's doing yeah. and really putting it more on what the kids are doing, which is what we want anyway. So yeah. Cool. Well, Mandy, I want to be respectful of your time because we have been chatting it up, which is what happens when two people so who love fun. to talk come together. <laughs> so before I let you go, I do want to ask you one more question. Okay. So how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? Mm, that's a great question. So I, I think for me, um, <laughs> it makes me think of that song like um, – take your passion and, and make it happen. I think you need to sing it. I think that, um, oh, you for sure. That is totally <laughs> what everyone wants right now. Um, I am, I really, really believe that what keeps teaching fresh and exciting is pursuing 
who you are as a person in your classroom. Like, I think the kids have to see us as people. And it's, it's such a human form of, of work. It's such a a relational based thing. And so I think that for me is why teaching hasn't ever gotten old is that every year you have people and new lives that you get to affect, you know, whether they're little or big or, um, whatever. So I just think that idea of exploring, you know, I've always been so passionate about children's books. And so um, I feel like I connected to my kids through literature. And so that every time a new book would come out, that kept the passion alive for me. Um, I know some teachers are passionate about, you know, my daughter knows that um, this teacher's having a baby and she's excited about it. This teacher loves um, going fishing. She, you know, my kids make connections with their teachers about the relationships. And so I think that probably is, um, the biggest thing for me is just looking at, um, because teaching is exhausting. It's, it's hard. It's low. Um, it's got a low threshold for, you know, respect. It's, there's so many things that are hard about teaching, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's funny. I, I wrote a blog post about the same thing called this. It's about Dave Matthews about the space between like, Mm -hmm. Like teaching is so overwhelming. Why do we keep doing it? And, and it's just that idea of it's all the great things that keep it, you know, but it's the space between it's, it's, this is hard, but But, it's the kids and, you know, this is exhausting, but it's a book or this, you know, and, and so all those little special things that we get to do each day that, that other people don't, um, you know, we get to be there with people's kids when they experience something for the first time or connect with a book or, you know, just things that are, um, you know, it's a gift. It it really, really is. So I think, you know, relating to kids on, on that level of no, no matter what age you work with and, and just finding that for people. And as a coach, connecting with people as adults, you know, finding about what, finding out what they're passionate about and helping them connect that way, I think is, I guess maybe it's connection. Mm -hmm. It's just connecting with people. I love it. That's great. Well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. I'm glad you had fun. Tell us how we can connect with you because I'm sure a million people can't wait to find out more about Mandy. (laughs) Wow, a million. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, So my um, website is TaylorMade Teaching. I am on Instagram as TaylorMade Teaching. It's all one word. And um, my Twitter handle is at Mandy M. Taylor. Very cool. Well, you are an elite educator. Start <laughs> connecting with Mandy today. Yay! Well, thank you so much, dear friend. I'm glad we That's got it. to connect. Thank you. And we'll chat soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Elite educators, I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation with Mandy Taylor. She's such an inspiration, and you can tell she loves what she does. And she's doing anything and everything she can to help someone like you become their best self. So don't be shy. Make sure you connect with Mandy. 
All the resources that she mentioned throughout the conversation will be hosted on alwaysalesson.com. And if you go to that website, you'll see a section called podcasts and you can pull up her episode and get her bio and you can and access links to everything that she has mentioned here today. But I highly encourage you to reach out on social media and have one more point of contact of an inspiring educator who can be in your corner to help keep you empowered. That's a wrap for this week's bonus edition interview with Mandy Taylor. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to EduPodcast.com. Network.com for more details.